Chapter forty five of Astoria or Anecdotes of an Enterprise Beyond the Rocky Mountains by Washington Irving. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Snake River Deserts, Scanty Fair, Bewildered Travelers, Prowling Indians, A Giant Crow Chief, A Bully Rebuked, Indian Signals, Smoke on the Mountains, Mad River, An Alarm, An Indian Foray a scamper a rude indian joke a sharpshooter balked of his shot on the first of september mr stewart and his companions resumed their journey bending their course eastward along the course of snake river as they advanced the country opened the hills which had hemmed in the river receded on either hand and great sandy and dusty plains extended before them occasionally there were intervals of pasturage and the banks of the river were fringed with willows and cottonwood so that its course might be traced from the hilltops winding under an umbrageous covert through a wide sunburnt landscape the soil however was generally poor and there was in some places a miserable growth of wormwood and a plant called saltweed resembling pennyroyal but the summer had parched the plains and left but little pasturage the game too had disappeared the hunter looked in vain over the lifeless landscape now and then a few antelope might be seen but not within reach of the rifle we forbear to follow the travellers in a week's wandering over these barren wastes where they suffered much from hunger having to depend upon a few fish from the streams and now and then a little dried salmon or a dog procured from some forlorn lodge of shoshones tired of these cheerless wastes they left the banks of snake river on the seventh of september under guidance of mr miller who having acquired some knowledge of the country during his trapping campaign undertook to conduct them across the mountains by a better route than that by fort henry and one more out of the range of the blackfeet he proved however but an indifferent guide and they soon became bewildered among rugged hills and unknown streams and burnt and barren prairies at length they came to a river on which mr miller had trapped and to which they gave his name though as before observed we presume it to be the same called bear river which empties itself into lake bonneville up this river and its branches they kept for two or three days supporting themselves precariously upon fish they soon found that they were in a dangerous neighborhood on the twelfth of september having encamped early they sallied forth with their rods to angle for their supper on returning they beheld a number of indians prowling about their camp whom to their infinite disquiet they soon perceived to be apsarokas or crows their chief came forward with a confident air he was a dark herculean fellow full six feet four inches in height with the mingled air of the ruffian and the rogue he conducted himself peaceably however and dispatched some of his people to their camp which was somewhere in the neighborhood from whence they returned with the most acceptable supply of buffalo meat he now signified to mr stewart that he was going to trade with the snakes who reside on the west base of the mountains below henry's fort here they cultivate a delicate kind of tobacco much esteemed and sought after by the mountain tribes 
there was something sinister however in the look of this indian that inspired distrust by degrees the number of his people increased until by midnight there were twenty-one of them about the camp who began to be impudent and troublesome the greatest uneasiness was now felt for the safety of the horses and effects and every one kept vigilant watch throughout the night the morning dawned however without any unpleasant occurrence and mr stewart having purchased all the buffalo meat that the crows had to spare prepared to depart his indian acquaintances however were disposed for further dealings and above all anxious for a supply of gunpowder for which they offered horses in exchange mr stewart declined to furnish them with the dangerous commodity they became more importunate in their solicitations until they met with a flat refusal the gigantic chief now stepped forward assumed a swelling air and slapping himself upon the breast gave mr cooks to understand that he was a chief of great power and importance he signified further that it was customary for great chiefs when they met to make each other presents he requested therefore that mr stewart would alight and give him the horse upon which he was mounted this was a noble animal of one of the wild races of the prairies on which mr stewart set great value he of course shook his head at the request of the crow dignitary upon this the latter strode up to him and taking hold of him moved him backwards and forwards in his saddle as if to make him feel that he was a mere child within his grasp mr stewart preserved his calmness and still shook his head the chief then seized the bridle and gave it a jerk that startled the horse and nearly brought the rider to the ground mr stewart instantly drew forth a pistol and presented it at the head of the bully ruffian in a twinkling his swaggering was at an end and he dodged behind his horse to escape the expected shot as his subject crows gazed on the affray from a little distance mr stewart ordered his men to level their rifles at them but not to fire the whole crew scampered among the bushes and throwing themselves upon the ground vanished from sight the chieftain thus left alone was confounded for an instant but recovering himself with true indian shrewdness burst into a loud laugh and affected to turn off the whole matter as a piece of pleasantry mr stewart by no means relished such equivocal joking but it was not his policy to get into a quarrel so he joined with the best grace he could assume in the merriment of the jocular giant and to console the latter for the refusal of the horse made him a present of twenty charges of powder they parted according to all outward professions the best friends in the world it was evident however that nothing but the smallness of his own force and the martial array and alertness of the white men had prevented the crow chief from proceeding to open outrage as it was his worthy followers in the course of their brief interview had contrived to purloin a bag containing almost all the culinary utensils of the party the travellers kept on their way due east over a chain of hills the recent rencontre showed them that they were now in a land of danger subject to the wide roamings of a predaceous tribe 
nor in fact had they gone many miles before they beheld sights calculated to inspire anxiety and alarm from the summits of some of the loftiest mountains in different directions columns of smoke began to rise these they concluded to be signals made by the runners of the crow chieftain to summon the stragglers of his band so as to pursue them with greater force signals of this kind made by outrunners from one central point will rouse a wide circuit of the mountains in a wonderfully short space of time and bring the straggling hunters and warriors to the standard of their chieftain to keep as much as possible out of the way of these freebooters mr stewart altered his course to the north and quitting the main stream of miller's river kept up a large branch that came in from the mountains here they encamped after a fatiguing march of twenty-five miles as the night drew on the horses were hobbled or fettered and tethered close to the camp a vigilant watch was maintained until morning and every one slept with his rifle on his arm at sunrise they were again on the march still keeping to the north they soon began to ascend the mountains and occasionally had wide prospects over the surrounding country not a sign of a crow was to be seen but this did not assure them of their security well knowing the perseverance of these savages in dogging any party they intended to rob and the stealthy way in which they can conceal their movements keeping along ravines and defiles after a mountain scramble of twenty-one miles they encamped on the margin of a stream running to the north in the evening there was an alarm of indians and every one was instantly on the alert they proved to be three miserable snakes who were no sooner informed that a band of crows was prowling in the neighborhood than they made off with great signs of consternation a couple more of weary days and watchful nights brought them to a strong and rapid stream running due north which they concluded to be one of the upper branches of snake river it was probably the same since called salt river they determined to bend their course down this river as it would take them still further out of the dangerous neighborhood of the crows they would then strike upon mr hunt's track of the preceding autumn and retrace it across the mountains the attempt to find a better route under guidance of mr miller had cost them a large bend to the south in resuming mr hunt's track they would at least be sure of their road they accordingly turned down along the course of this stream and at the end of three days journey came to where it was joined by a larger river and assumed a more impetuous character raging and roaring among rocks and precipices it proved in fact to be mad river already noted in the expedition of mr hunt on the banks of this river they encamped on the eighteenth of september at an early hour six days had now elapsed since their interview with the crows during that time they had come nearly a hundred and fifty miles to the north and west without seeing any signs of those marauders they considered themselves therefore beyond the reach of molestation and began to relax in their vigilance lingering occasionally for part of a day where there was good pasturage the poor horses needed repose they had been urged on by forced marches over rugged heights among rocks and fallen timber or over low swampy valleys inundated by the labors of the beaver 
these industrious animals abounded in all the mountain streams and watercourses wherever there were willows for their subsistence many of them they had so completely dammed up as to inundate the low grounds making shallow pools or lakes and extensive quagmires by which the route of the travellers was often impeded on the nineteenth of september they rose at an early dawn some began to prepare breakfast and others to arrange the packs preparatory to a march the horses had been hobbled but left at large to graze upon the adjacent pasture mr stewart was on the bank of a river at a short distance from the camp when he heard the alarm cry indians indians to arms to arms a mounted crow galloped past the camp bearing a red flag he reined his steed at the summit of a neighbouring knoll and waved his flaring banner a diabolical yell now broke forth on the opposite side of the camp beyond where the horses were grazing and a small troop of savages came galloping up whooping and making a terrific clamour the horses took fright and dashed across the camp in the direction of the standard-bearer attracted by his waving flag he instantly put spurs to his steed and scoured off followed by the panic-stricken herd their fright being increased by the yells of the savages in their rear at the first alarm mr stewart and his comrades had seized their rifles and attempted to cut off the indians who were pursuing the horses their attention was instantly distracted by whoops and yells in an opposite direction they now apprehended that a reserve party was about to carry off their baggage they ran to secure it the reserve party however galloped by whooping and yelling in triumph and derision the last of them proved to be their commander the identical giant joker already mentioned he was not cast in the stern poetical mould of fashionable indian heroism but on the contrary was grievously given to vulgar jocularity as he passed mr stewart and his companions he checked his horse raised himself in his saddle and clapping his hand in the most insulting part of his body uttered some jeering words which fortunately for their delicacy they could not understand the rifle of ben jones was levelled in an instant and he was on the point of whizzing a bullet into the target so tauntingly displayed not for your life not for your life exclaimed mr stewart you will bring destruction on us all it was hard to restrain honest ben when the mark was so fair and the insult so foul oh mr stewart exclaimed he only let me have one crack at the infernal rascal and you may keep all the pay that is due to me by heaven if you fire cried mr stewart i'll blow your brains out by this time the indian was far out of reach and had rejoined his men and the whole daredevil band with the captured horses scuttled off along the defiles their red flag flaunting overhead and the rocks echoing to their whoops and yells and demoniac laughter the unhorsed travellers gazed after them in silent mortification and despair yet mr stewart could not but admire the style and spirit with which the whole exploit had been managed and pronounced it one of the most daring and intrepid actions he had ever heard of among indians the whole number of the crows did not exceed twenty in this way a small gang of lurkers will hurry off the cavalry of a large war-party 
for when once a drove of horses are seized with panic they become frantic and nothing short of broken necks can stop them no one was more annoyed by this unfortunate occurrence than ben jones he declared he would actually have given his whole arrears of pay amounting to upwards of a year's wages rather than be balked of such a capital shot mr stuart however represented what might have been the consequence of so rash an act life for life is an indian maxim the whole tribe would have made common cause in avenging the death of a warrior the party were but seven dismounted men with a wide mountain region to traverse infested by these people and which might all be roused by signal fires in fact the conduct of the band of marauders in question showed the perseverance of savages when once they have fixed their minds upon a project these fellows had evidently been silent and secretly dogging the party for a week past and a distance of a hundred and fifty miles keeping out of sight by day lurking about the encampment at night watching all their movements and waiting for a favourable moment when they should be off their guard the menace of mr stuart in their first interview to shoot the giant chief with his pistol and the fright caused among the warriors by presenting the rifles had probably added the stimulus of pique to their usual horse-stealing propensities and in this mood of mind they would doubtless have followed the party throughout their whole course over the rocky mountains rather than be disappointed in their scheme End of chapter 45